When was the last time you changed your mind about something, something significant? Coke or Pepsi? Republican or Democrat? Alabama or Arkansas? We're not really allowed to change our minds anymore for fear that we will be labeled wishy-washy or a flipper-flopper. Whenever we acknowledge that we've changed our minds, we are admitting to some degree that we were wrong, that we didn't understand something, that we have changed. When was the last time you changed your mind like that? When was the last time you found yourself saying something and then realizing that you can't believe what was coming out of your mouth, that what you're saying now surprises you because you know that just a few years ago, you couldn't have imagined saying those words. I think in this reading from the Acts of the Apostles, as Peter is speaking this deep truth about the resurrection of Jesus, I think Peter was surprised at the words that were coming out of his own mouth. This reading comes from Acts chapter 2. You might remember Acts 2 is the chapter that contains the story of Pentecost, how the Holy Spirit comes down like tongues of fire and rests on each of the apostles, giving them abilities they had never dreamed they could have. Well, today's lectionary skips over the good part and gets to what happens after the Holy Spirit shows up, which is this speech, this sermon, the first ever Christian sermon. It saves the bit about the Holy Spirit for a couple of weeks from now when we will save, when we will celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. Peter opens his mouth to preach this, the very first Christian sermon, and I think he was surprised at what he said. Peter didn't have a lot of experience preaching at this point. If you read Luke and Acts, which are like two testaments of the same story, you'll notice that Peter only has one other speech. It's from Acts chapter 1 when he explains to the crowd why Matthias, or whoever the lot falls to, needs to be chosen to replace Judas. That was his first time on the stage, and this is his second time. He doesn't have a lot of experience preparing sermons. He doesn't have a lot of experience giving sermons. He does a pretty good job, let's be honest. That was a joke. Y'all are supposed to chuckle at that. <laughs> But the Spirit comes and fills him in ways that surprise him and the other disciples as well as the crowd that's listening. Think about what Peter says and think about how shocking it was. He announces that Jesus had been handed over, had been betrayed according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. What certainty that seems to imply. And yet, it wasn't that long ago that Peter and the disciples were gathered around a table in the upper room, and Jesus announced that one of them would betray him. And it was like, it was like Jesus had shocked them. They, they begin to question, is it, is it I? Is it him? Who is it? What, what do you mean someone's going to betray you? And yet, somehow between then and now in this moment, Peter is able to say with theological certainty that God's plan somehow is unfolding in this strange series of events. That's pretty surprising. Then, 
Peter goes on to talk about how God raised Jesus from death, that death didn't have the power to contain him. Well, that's pretty bold words coming from someone who denied Jesus three times not all that long ago, that when Jesus was arrested and handed over to be crucified, Peter was nowhere to be found. He didn't see what was coming. Peter had even looked in the empty tomb and saw that the body was missing and still didn't understand that death had no power over him. When was it that Peter figured that part out? But my favorite surprising piece is how clearly Peter and the other disciples begin to interpret the holy scriptures of their childhood, the the scriptures they had known their whole lives long and begin to speak of them and interpret them and imply, apply them in ways that no one had ever heard before. This, this quotation of Psalm 16 is a quotation of a psalm that everybody had always known had been about David. David had remained true to God, even if he had broken plenty of other covenants. David had always worshipped God, and as a result, God had promised that he would not abandon him. And yet, As Peter quotes that familiar psalm, a psalm that he and the disciples knew well, he begins to speak of it as if David had prophesied about Jesus. How is it possible to make those connections if the Holy Spirit isn't opening up some new insights, even in the moment that Peter is speaking these words? It's easy for us to assume that the crowd was surprised at what Peter heard, what Peter said. But I think the real power of this speech is hearing Peter's own surprise, the disciples' surprise, and allowing these words to surprise us as well. The resurrection changed everything. Nothing was the same. And the work of the Holy Spirit that had come upon them and that comes upon us is to help us make sense of this new and radical thing that no one saw coming. We hear stories like this, don't we? Stories about Peter's speech to the crowd, and we hear it as if there are two teams on opposing sides, and it's up to us to choose the right team. But that's not really what the text tells us at all. This isn't a story about Peter and the disciples versus the crowd. This is a family story. This is a story proclaimed by Jewish people to Jewish people about what God has always been doing among the Jewish people. We'll come to the story later on in a couple chapters from now. We have a tendency to hear these revelations as if we're supposed to know the story before it gets spoken. But which side of that divide do you think we would find ourselves on if we were hearing these words for the first time? Isn't it reasonable for us to stand with those who are suspicious of what is being proclaimed? Think about all the good and faithful and holy people who had heard Jesus and said, no, thank you. Think about the religious authorities who had listened to how he had threatened all the traditions they held dear, how Jesus seemed to dispense with Sabbath observance and ritual purity and keeping kosher Wouldn't we be threatened by someone who showed up and said, we're not going to do it the way we've always done it? 
Wouldn't we be suspicious of someone who begins to question the detente that has been reached between the Roman occupying powers and the Jewish people who just want to worship in peace? A, a peace had been obtained because the religious leaders and the political leaders had figured out how to work together. And yet Jesus comes and exposes that as being ungodly. When he walks into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and threatens to upset that peace that allows God's people to exist and worship, don't you think those of us who would find ourselves in positions of authority would say, now wait just a minute there, I don't think so, sir. Nobody, nobody saw what happened during Holy Week and anticipated what would come at Easter. Not the religious authorities, not the political leaders, and certainly not the disciples who ran scared when they saw their rabbi arrested. No one, no one saw the miracle of Easter, Jesus' victory over death as waiting till the third day, and yet that's exactly what God has given us, that huge, earth-shattering surprise. Will we let it surprise us again? Peter is making sense of this as he is preaching. It's all coming together for the first time. Only in the light of Easter and fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit is he able to say these radical things about what God has done. And what do they mean for us if we allow them to surprise us again? What does it mean for us that death had no power over him? What does it mean to see in this person of Jesus whom nobody wanted anything to do with is the one whom God has brought to the world to show us who God is and who we are? There's a theologian and commentator named Willie James Jennings who wrote in a commentary on the story that we heard just how radical this reversal is. The Jesus you knew, he writes, the one who was crucified, dead and buried and now alive, is both Lord and Messiah, the bearer of the divine image and reality. This is the great contradiction. It is the contradiction inside which all of the disciples of Jesus will live forever. Life inside this contradiction means that we may now see the world for what it is, upside down. Only from within the declaration of a God who was crucified will any words about God in this world, the real world, make sense. When we forget to allow Easter to surprise us, we forget to allow the story of Jesus to shock us into seeing the world the way that God sees it. When we refuse to be shaken from our comfort then we miss the big story that what happens at Easter is not only a vindication of Jesus, it's a declaration of who God is and who God has always been. The crucifixion helps us see the world the way it really is, not the way the powers of this world would fool us into thinking it is. Only in the light of the resurrection can we find the strength and the confidence to let go of our belief that we've got to take care of ourselves. 
that we've got to get ahead, that we've got to build a wall to keep us safe from what threatens us. Only in the light of the resurrection does take up your cross and follow me begin to make sense. Only because of Easter are we able to believe that what Jesus said and did is what God would have us say and do. That God is to be found not among holy people like us, but among the outcasts whom the religious community has no time for. Only because of the resurrection are we able to see the coming of God's reign, not in the powerful and the wealthy, but in the weak and the poor. Only because of the resurrection are we able to see that the kingdom of heaven comes not among those of us who say our prayers beautifully, but among children who teach us the ways of God. If we're not surprised by that, we're missing something. And we're missing something big and really important. If we're not surprised by the resurrection, then we haven't been paying attention to Jesus. And we're not listening to what God is saying us. This is a time to be surprised, shocked even. And let that surprise fuel us with the power of the Holy Spirit to see God's reign unfolding even among us today. Thanks be to God. Amen.